thanks so much. Uh, 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 you know, this is a very special occasion for me because I have two of my favorite people um, uh, together. Um, I've been having discussions with Robin Walker for quite a while, who is is my my history guru, shall we say, <laughs> who 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 has that famous uh, book when we rule, which has so much in it and has been educating me about African uh, uh, history along the way. And and then there is um, you know uh, a Joyce uh, a King who I've known for many years. We won't say how many Joyce just to. Um, protect our, our secret. Um, it's our black secret. <laughs> but Dr. King is president and CEO of the Academy for that, that for Literacy. And she's the Benjamin E. Mays um, Endowed um, uh, Chair and, and Professor at Georgia State uh, University. You might want to elaborate a little bit on that as we go down the road, um, uh, Joyce. Um, because you know you have other accomplishments and other things that that you're doing, um, I kind of set this this program up because you've been doing history, and um, and 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 history has to be taught, you know. And and in doing the history, uh, kind of Robin has been teaching me and our audience, but I think we need a a, a teacher, an educator to 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 help us because, you know, the problem of the 21st century, our problem as a people is that, you know, we've been miseducated. As you know, we can go back to Carter G. Woodson and, 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 and um, you know, he can tell us about the, when back in the, in the 20s, he told us about the miseducation of, of African people. And, you know, I just want to throw in a quote of my dad. He says, education is the medium by which a people are prepared for the creation of their own particular civilization and the advancement and glory of their own people. Now, if our curricula, et cetera, are being taught by um, others, shall we say, especially those others who have enslaved us and colonized us and brutalized us over time, then, you know, basically we, we have no, no foundation for, for an independent, constructive uh, our life. And, and this is the, the problem I think that we face in, in the 21st century. This is the problem, you know, that we face in, in trying to unite, come together, to throw off, you know, the impositions of, of colonialism, uh, et cetera, is that we have not created an educational process. I would say anywhere, <laughs> not in the Caribbean, not in Africa, and, and not in the United States of America, that is independent of the influence of um, 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 colonial masters, if you will, and the whole the European perspective, which is, um, a caricature of what really history ought to be, because certainly, um, you know, history didn't start with the Greeks. Um, um, Robin and I have been through this. There were thousands of years of civilization in Africa before the Greeks came to Africa to learn. So at, neither did education, you know, uh, uh, start um, 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 in Europe. And, and I contend also that the, the educational process of, 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 of Europeans is, is, is largely about memorizing information. And, and it's not really about what education means. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to monopolize the time. Well, I don't want to kind of set the stage. Education comes from ex ducere in terms of the Latin, leading out of. What are you leading out of? Well, what you're leading out of is, is, is the essence of what it means to be a human being. And that's what the purpose of education is supposed to be as opposed to stuffing people with facts which are factoids, which may be right, which may be wrong, which change over time. And uh, so um, we, we need a, um, an educational process that validates us historically, and also is a true educational process that brings the best out of us, of who we are as, as, as human beings. Um, uh, I'm gonna ask Robin to jump in there first, um, because we have been on the road together. And 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 um and, and Joyce um you know uh free, feel free to jump in any time, Robin. Yes, sir. Um, I have a slightly different perspective mm -hmm. because um my first exposure to this information came from the fact that I was part of a Saturday school in London 
where we were making use of the Portland model baseline essays. And we were doing this in the beginning of the 1990s. Now, the Portland model baseline essays were done by African-American intellectuals. And what they did was to come with content that could be used to revolutionize history teaching, uh, social science teaching, uh, history, excuse me, not history, uh, 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 what do they call it, um, scientific teaching, um, mathematics teaching, music, and uh, literature teaching. And these essays, um, they were preliminary. There were holes in some of those essays, but the main point is they did it. And they did it for African-American and African content. And then they promised that they would then do the same thing for Native American content. They promised that they would do the same thing for Asian American content, and they've since delivered. And my argument is what the African American intellectuals in Portland, Oregon did um, in the late 80s should have formed the basis for a, a, a radical African education. And essentially, a lot of people blew an opportunity which has been presented to them since I think 1987 or 1989 or whenever it was that the Portland model essays came out. And it wasn't just um, a situation that, yes, these were written for school teachers. They could have been adapted and put in the university curricula. Um, black educators and pedagogues all over the world should have seized that material and added to it, added to it, added to it. Because what could have happened is that could have been the basis of a radical black education back then. I'm out. Okay, um, you know, Joyce, you, you edited the book, Black Education, a little bit of a Bible, shall we say. But um, it's about transformative um, research and an action agenda for the new century relative to um, education um, for not just African Americans but really Africans. So, so, so can can you can you jump in on on that for us? Well, yes. Um, thank you very much, uh, Brother Robin. So glad to hear you refer to the baseline essays that was uh, organized uh, with the support and direction of my teacher and friend Baba Asa Hilliard, and at that time uh, when the Portland Baseline Essays came out. Um, I was director of teacher education at Santa Clara University in California. And I was just, I think, beginning my service on the curriculum commission for the state of California, which um, is the State Board of Education Commission that organizes the adoption of textbooks for California schools. And at that time, uh, we were also confronting the inevitable backlash when something like the Portland Baseline Essays comes out, then there is a backlash. So in the 80s and early 90s, there was a, a, a huge conflict over curriculum content in New York. <laughs> And this was the under the heading of the curriculum of inclusion. Um, Leonard Jeffries uh, was one of the people who was involved in that, and a sister from um, uh, Ethiopia, Eleni Tedla, who wrote a beautiful book on African education. So, I'm I'm using this as an example of the context that we're always operating in when we push forward with uh, an authentic, truthful, inclusive approach. And you pointed out that the Portland baseline essays were the first, and then there was going to be something for Native Americans. I mean, that's what we've always done. We've always been leading in the effort to be inclusive. So um, then you get the horrendous attack on the Nile Valley scholars, on I mean, personal attacks to really 
Um, I mean, Linda Jeffries had to have uh, security uh, protection for years for 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 his involvement uh, in these these controversies. But anyway, I was on the commission, and I want to I want to pick up on what you said to emphasize the importance of perspective, because what the baseline essays brought us, which which the black intellectual tradition has always brought is a perspective, our standpoint, how we look at the world. And um, that perspective is what was denied by the people who wanted to say, oh, they said things like we were just, uh, one of the scholars said we were embracing filiopietism, uh, admiration for ancestors, fake admiration for ancestors on foreign uh, lands. I mean, all kinds of justifications to deny the truthfulness of what we were bringing. So I got into the fray because I was uh, serving on the commission. And the perspective that was pre presented in the social studies textbooks at that time was flawed. Yes, there was more information about Black people and other uh, minoritized groups, but the perspective was flawed. So those textbooks presented a, a view of the United States as United States is a nation of immigrants. The Portland Baseline Essays did as Baba Asa always said, we do not start our story with slavery. We go back to foundation principles. And so the Saturday schools, the, the uh, ethnic studies, Black studies, all of those initiatives came out of the need to consistently resist assimilationist education that would not prepare us to be ourselves, to know our own heritage, and to lead um, toward what the United States and other quote unquote democracies claim to represent. So I just wanna uh, celebrate that you were involved in a Saturday school and here in the United States, we've had not only Saturday schools, but black independent schools. And I read recently uh, about a, a midnight school that I didn't even know about from, from enslavement days. So we're part of that tradition and uh, it's not new, but I'll just end uh, my my point right now to say that right now in the United States and in states like Georgia, Florida, and some others that I could name, um, we have laws that have been passed that are terrifying teachers mm -hmm. and telling educators what words they can actually say in the classroom. And along those lines, I need to offer a disclaimer because I work for the state of Georgia, I have to say that I'm speaking as an individual, not as a representative of the university or the state of Georgia. And that's the legal advice I've received from um, the university's lawyers. So we're, well, I, I wrote a paper recently and the title was All Necks Are On The Line. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, uh... Joyce, it's good you, you, you brought that up in, in terms of what was happening in New York, because I was a part of that with Adelaide Sanford, and as you know, G2 Wilsey, who was a strong brother there in Brooklyn in terms of community education and right. in the communities to be able to influence curriculum. And, and the teachers' union was one of our, our, our biggest uh, opponents mm -hmm. and um, really knocked everything out of, out of the, the ballpark. So community education was never able to be to take off uh, because of the strength of, of the, the teachers union in New York. And as you know, um, that that deals also with voting because they have a, a big block. Uh, they can vote somebody in or vote somebody out. So so we, 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 we lost that round. And as you mentioned now, um, you know, we are like round 10 and it looks like we're losing round 10 on the, on, the end of the, on, on the end of the fight in terms of DeSantis and Florida. And as you're saying, other states are, are following them. There's diversity, equity, and inclusion is going out the window um, for this, I don't know, um, um, 
right wing, shall we say, you know, effort um, 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 of, I'll, I'll just be outright and say white supremacy to deny an, anybody else in, you know, their, their humanity, um, whether it's Native Americans or African Americans or, or others. And um, this is a, a, extremely dangerous. And um, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, obviously, with the next <laughs> election. But whatever happens, um, you know, we as a people have to do something for ourselves, realizing the danger of the situation. And, and that is something that has gone on for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned at, at the top, Carter G. Woodson talking about miseducation back in the 20s. You know, my dad was talking about it. Um, you know, I think um, that there are so many people that have talked about that over the years and attempted to do just what you've talked about, Robin, and what you've talked about, Joyce. But here we are now where the extremists, shall we say, on the right have been gaining ground. And I don't think we have gained ground. Um, um, you know, if we, we have pockets, and Joyce, um, um, we need to go back to those pockets that you've you have mentioned, because those those pockets that are out there, somehow we need to, to bring them out, out together and, and, and uh, do something together. And Robin, I want to pass it back to you at this point, because, um, you know, clearly, they, they, you know, you're a historian, but you have an, an educational um, project you know, call the black secret. Well, why don't you go into that a little bit? And then Joyce, why don't you follow up on that? Mm -hmm. The black secret was an idea of being able to teach adults all over the world, black studies. And the very first topic in black studies is of course, black history. So the idea that we did was to put together about 36 classes, 55 hours worth of history content, put it online so people can watch it at their convenience. But we want to go further than just the history. We want to go after all of the subjects, exactly the way the, the baseline people did it. So if we look at the baseline essay on, say, mathematics, um, you had back in the day um, various people writing books on for example, Africa Counts was a classic book that came out in the 1970s. There's a lot wrong with the book, but there's a lot right with it. And then you had Professor Ivan Van Sertima's um, Blacks in Science 1983, which added to the game. And then after that book, you had uh, people like Dr. Charles Finch's book, The Star of Deep Beginnings, which has moved the game even further on. Um, there was a, a, a scholar from West Africa called Abdul Karim Bangura, who wrote a book called African Mathematics. Uh, me and one of my colleagues, uh, John Matthews, we wrote a book called African Mathematics. And so what we did was to collect all that development and turn that. So if people who want to teach STEM subjects We've now put that in book form where we've updated what the earlier writers have done. Now, our work is far from definitive, far from the final word, but we've got what we have. People who know more about it than us can add to what we've got and move the game forward. And what I'm suggesting is certainly the Black Secret will do this in the future, but we invite as many of our scholars to do this so that where we do have total control of the education system, because we should have had total control in African countries, we should have had total control in Caribbean countries. I'm not naive. I know that the, the forces of neocolonialism are not naive. But the main point is, if the material is in book form, if the material is available, if we don't make use of it, that's our fault. If the books don't exist, you could say the material doesn't exist. Our job as scholars and educators and so on is to make the literature exist. Once it exists, the next stage now is to get it into institution after institution and after institution. You see, so let me just make one final point. I'm aware that African-Americans are losing at this point because of the far right wing backlash. But what you all have done already 
has been so powerful. I'm in London. I'm aware of what you all did with the baseline essays. I'm running with it. And there'll be people doing what I'm doing in all the other countries, taking it, taking the baton and running with that baton. So the more of us doing it, the more unstoppable this education revolution becomes. George, can, can you say something about some of the stuff you're, you're doing? Uh, particularly, I know that you're involved with Brazil. Um, you know, I, I know that I've talked about there's some, some pockets of, that there's homeschooling. Um, um, of, of was it Taisa Snowden, I think her name is, that I've talked to her a couple mm -hmm. of times. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Platform. So I want to I want to kind of push back a little bit on the idea that we're losing. <laughs> um, we are on the ropes, but we're not losing. We well, I want to make three points. I want to say something about Brazil. I want to say something about Africa, and I want to say something about bottom-up community approaches here. And so let me start with the last point. Um, Robin mentioned supplementary schools. You just mentioned homeschooling. Um, there are a lot of spaces where we are uh, in charge, controlling the education, using the material that we uh, value and produce, one of our limitations is we're not connected across these different spaces. Um, Robin, I would also point out Tony Warner's work in uh, London, Black History Walks, which we know about here. This is a program with, you know, film and uh, walking tours and uh, he's got books out. So we need to do a better job representing the Black Secret and all of these initiatives, someplace central where people can go to see, well, here's a model, here's something that I might want to use. But the, 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 the work that I'm doing with a community-based youth civic leadership program called the Guardians of Heritage, we have come to the conclusion we've we had 22 young people from age 10 up to 19 in 12 cities in the US and 3 in Brazil studying online in some cases in English and Portuguese simultaneous interpretation and the children along with parents and elders uh, were learning technology tools and learning to produce educational material. So they have a podcast series. It's called Guardians of Heritage Talking Drum. They have produced mobile apps that are directed toward collective community problem solving. And we've done this as a prototype of an approach for education that includes all levels, the parents, the children, the elders, graduate students, and researchers. So that's that's a program at that's a program model that we have. One of the conclusions that we've come to is that there's a lot of material out there. Online, you can find many, many examples of content. What we don't have is a standard that says, this is the criterion that we are applying to determine whether or not this resource actually meets our needs. So that's something that we're actually working on. We're training young people as researchers, not only to produce educational material, but also to educate educators and parents. So that's that's a that's a space to work in, which is why I'm saying we're on the ropes. We're not losing. Um, there are examples of films that have been produced. There are two films just come out, Renoko Rashidi's uh, legacy film that can be uh, rented now. Uh, let me get the title of it so I can speak specifically. Uh, Renoko's film is Global Assignment, The Life and Times of Dr. Renoko Rashidi. That film is available. Uh, Tony uh, Browder produced it with support from uh, a community organization, a BIN, a Black Education Network. So people are coming together to, to do good 
production, not just books, but also other resources. The other film that's just come out is Kemet Shockley's film, Cultural War, Focus on Black Youth. It's available on YouTube and Tubi. Uh, it's about the whole education question that we're talking about. I'm in it. Tony Browder's in it. Some leading, other leading folks. So we're on the ropes. We're not losing. I want to say just two other points about Brazil and Africa. Um, I've been collaborating with brothers and sisters in Brazil for more than 25 years. Um, I, When I was teaching at Stanford, I was on the faculty at Stanford University in the late 70s. I had a student from Brazil who had worked with Paulo Freire. She introduced me to her husband, who was a doctoral student, who came to me and said, there's a Black woman in Brazil that I want you to know. And this was before internet. <laughs> we spent a couple of years writing letters to each other. And her name is Petronilia Gonzalez y Silva. She's a leading educator in the Black movement in Brazil. And she helped to write the law that was put into place to require the teaching of African and Afro-Brazilian culture. So we started working together more than 25 years ago. When I went to Brazil to do some work with her in the early 90s, I was doing a workshop with parents. And one of the, I'm, I'm speaking English, somebody's translating. One of the mothers asked me, why didn't we resist? So get this picture. Here I am telling them about Zumbi and Palmares that they did not know about. But I just came back from Brazil in November. I'm at a school. And the children are doing coloring pages of Zumbi's wife, Dandara. So in that time period, even with the military, Bolsonaro, and all kind of, you know, right-wing retrograde politics, the educators and the community has been able to keep their history and to pass it on. So... We don't want to we don't want to perpetuate this idea that we've lost. We're fighting as we always have fighting back. Now the last thing I want to say is about Africa. Just by chance someone sent me a copy of the McKinsey report talking about uh African development and education and uh uh the whole scene of uh you know sort of what's happening in Africa. And so there's a narrative of Africa that has escaped our attention, but other people are paying attention, right? So they say that by 2050, about 25% of the world's population will be from the continent. And they're talking about how is this youthful population of Africa going to contribute to the development of this powerhouse that's coming along? Well, guess what? Some people are already in front of that. They've got scholarships, they're educating uh, young Africans, uh, a company, I won't. I don't want to promote the name of the company, but they're training 100,000 software engineers in online courses, short courses like The Secret, but we have no idea what is the perspective of that education that they're getting. And mm -hmm. so just like the pay baseline essays came about, we need some research. We need to get in front of what's happening because some people are capturing our young people's minds and taking them someplace where they don't need to go. You're 100% right there. And, and, and the whole battle, if you will, is a battle for the capture of, of the minds. And as you know, our minds have been uh, captured and distorted. And, and they're working on, on the young African mind. As you know, there's a program, um, YALI, the Young African Leadership Initiative, where they bring young Africans, the brightest of the brightest, bring them over here to the United States and introduce them to American culture and the American educational system, which of course does not include African, African Americans. So they go back and they've been properly indoctrinated so that they'll do their master's uh, uh, bidding. Plus the other thing, uh, you know, uh, uh, Joyce, um, um, and this is, um, shall we say, pointing to the, the failings of the system as opposed to anything that's positive, is, is that there, there are 100 uh, million uh, African youngsters that are outside of school, 100 million in, in Africa that are outside of school. I mean, 
that is the shame. And of course, you know, these are the ones that are going across the Sahara, they're drowning in the Mediterranean, they're going to Saudi Arabia, they're being whatever, <laughs> their organs are being taken, or whatever, whatever, whatever. I say that to say that, you know, um, uh, we have a big job. Um, uh, and, you know, I support what you're saying that we are on the ropes. Of course, as long as we're breathing, we're not defeated. And, and as long as we, we have a, a, a Joyce King and a Robin Walker, we're not defeated. So, you know, uh, we're going to have to continue now to, to spend time. Um, you know, how can we, you know, um, you know, change the situation? How can we build in term, on, on top of what we have? What Robin is doing, what you're doing, what you know that other people are doing, what I know that other people are doing. I, I think your point is well, very well taken, Joyce. Um, it's, a, a lot is out there, but we're working in silos and we need to come together because that's how we're going to be most uh, uh, effective. Now, Robin, I'm going to dump that back at you. And, and, and any thoughts in those areas? Um, uh, uh, how, do we, how do we progress in terms of pulling this off? Because this is the key. Because if we lose these mines, you know, Africa is finished. Because, uh, as you know, it's the richest continent. Everybody knows it. Everybody is there. <laughs> you, you know, um, if, if not just America, not just Europe, but of course there's China, there's Japan, there, there, there's Turkey, there's Saudi Arabia. You know, everybody is there, you know, um, grabbing for a piece of it. And, and if we don't have a generation that, that, that knows itself and knows Africa and, and knows what it means uh, to be African, then the other system definitely is going to roll over the whole world. And we know that the system that exists at the present time is destroying the planet. <laughs> you know, and if it destroys Africa, then there's nothing left because it will destroy just about everything else. Um, Robin, back to you. Yeah, you have a wonderful tie. It's very complex, um, many different colors. So I think you probably have many, many good ideas. So back to okay. you. Okay, the, the tie itself is from Ethiopia. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's an Ethiopian artist that designed the tie. Okay, let, let, and, and, and Ethiopia is a good place to actually start this discussion. Um, one of the issues in Africa is a lot of people from Africa, they know the history of either their country or their, what I like to call ends, their area, their ethnicity. What they don't know is the history of anybody else in Africa who is not from their ethnic group. And this leads to a really blinkered vision of history and a really blinkered vision of what it means to be an African. And so it's very, very important that someone needs to produce a Pan-African literature that embodies as many of the different regional histories of Africa in such a way that we can all get pride out of it and include the African-American stuff and include Palmares and include the, 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 the Mexican president who abolished slavery, you know, there's a African Native American president, and include the Maroon fight back in Jamaica, and include the Maroon fight back in Guyana, and include, so all of this is seen as one story, one struggle. And if we can do that, it becomes something that could be produced all uh, and, 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 give, and given out all over the world. And that's something that needs to happen for African countries. Moreover, a lot of African countries see STEM as important, but history is unimportant. And that's another issue that needs to be um, challenged. Now, in recent years, the, 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 the amount of new developments in African history are staggering. The amount of new things that we didn't know are staggering, but most people don't know about any of these new things. You know, the discovery of the second oldest boat in the world in Nigeria, 6,500 BC. Most people don't know anything about that, do you see? And these are the kinds of things that would then need, you, you would then use to make up this kind of Pan-African thing. Um, 
certainly I believe this is the way that we move this forward. And if we can get a Pan-African literature that does the same thing, a Pan-African science textbooks that do the same thing, Pan-African maths books that do the same thing. In other words, where the Portland people started it, we need to complete it. So that there is, um, if you like, a counter literature out there. And then once you've got things in African countries, you just need to get them into the four main languages. So a lot of what goes on in Africa, if you can get it into English, if you can get it in French, if you can get it into Portuguese, and if you can get it into Arabic, you can get it to across Africa. And then after that, the, the Afrocentric radicals can then put these things into the local languages. And when we've done that, the revolution's complete. <laughs> I'm not sure that the struggle ever, ever ends. That's always uh, the struggling. But, you know, conceptually, what you're talking about is, is spot on. Um, um, a couple of things, you know, clearly, you know, Pan-Africanism is the way to go. And I think, you know, um, uh, uh, Joyce knows that. Uh, Joyce has been a Pan-Africanist forever, uh, probably in the womb. It shows the Pan-Africanist came out. Well, I, I will say that I had a Jamaican babysitter, and that contributed <laughs> to my early orientation as a Pan-Africanist. There you go. And, and, and she, called, she called me Joyce. Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm Joyce. Yeah, no question that Pan-Africanism is the, way, the great way to go. There also has to be the proper understanding of Pan-Africanism, which is almost like a, a, a thing in itself. But um, um, uh, to agree a little bit, uh, uh, Robin, and also, you know, I want Joyce to jump in. I, I, I see this as almost um, um, uh, two different things, if you will, meaning that we have to capture the minds of the young people as well as educating the minds of the older ones. So what I hear you talking about really is shall we say two different books? You know, one one for teenagers and and, and lower ages, and and one is a scholarly uh, thing to bring everybody up to date because they have so much new information. And my thinking is that um, we we would need to go forward with the one that is is going to be useful for the young minds at the present time because those are the ones that we really have to capture for our cyber future because they're going to be the future leaders in, in, in 10 years uh, or less, uh, you know, and they need to have a basis. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the whole concept of revolution because it's really a knowledge-based revolution. And I think that's why so many revolutions, you know, on our side uh, have, have not been successful be, be, because they, 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 the proletariat, shall we say, have not been educated. So you have a cadre which have come from the bourgeoisie or higher up, are leading a revolution, but then they, they get into power and then they get seduced by power and, and then the, the revolution falls apart because the masses of people are not educated as to what it is the revolution is all about. And I think, you know, people like Che Guevara, blah, 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 you know, they understood that type of thing and he was in the process of trying to educate the masses. This is what we, 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 we need to do uh, in, in that sense. And, um, uh, you know, I'm 100% behind that. And uh, clearly, you know, okay, it can be produced, it has to be produced. Um, uh, Joyce, how, how do we spread that among, um, um, that among our people? How, how do we, we make that something that those of us in the United States, those of us in the Caribbean, in Brazil, or in Africa, you, you know, um, it, we can relate to that, shall we say, or can have it at their disposal? Uh, if they so desire. Well, I think I'm going to quote Mao Zedong and say something like, let a thousand flowers bloom or pull from both ends toward the middle, because I have always emphasized the community um, for the village. So if there's a space where we can create um, learning opportunities that are communal, it doesn't mean that we're not doing the scholarship. Um, but to have young people with older people and educators together, I have witnessed how that works. Uh, in our program, the Guardians of Heritage, we have uh, an online space where the children go and look at videos. They have readings, they have assignments. And one of the parents in our group said, yeah, 
when it's time for the Google Classroom, the whole family breaks out the popcorn and we sit down and watch everything together. That's all ages sitting down together. So that's not foreign to us. That's what we've always done, whether it's the front porch or church. These are the ways in which we learn, model, and educate. So I would say producing the books, producing the films, the media and technology has got to be at the forefront because that's where the young people are, but also enabling the young people to use those resources to produce materials to educate their peers. That's what we're doing. So we have young people reading scholarship, they're reading Tony Browder and translating that into something, whether it's a, 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 an app or a podcast, translating that into something that's more broadly accessible. So we have to do all of that at the same time, not one before the other. And I always say to my students, we don't all have to do the same thing. So some people may be working on this over here. Some people may be collaborating with Robin on those other elements of the secret that he's going to be developing. But we've got to understand that it's all next are on the line and we've got, got to be all in this together. I, I, I think I think that's 100% uh, 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 correct. Um, uh, Robin, you and I have talked a little bit about that, that book aspect uh, of it. And um, I think it really needs to happen. We'll talk more about it offline and see how we can make that, that happen, shall we say, ASAP. And Robin's point about the languages is fundamental. We've got to be operating in more than one language. Uh, because I, I know I can bring French to the table. We produce something. Um, I, I have a colleague, a several colleagues actually, who will be willing to translate in, in, into French. Mm -hmm. Would be a, a big step. I, I don't know the Arabic, but I'm sure you know um, uh, we, we can find those, whether we do it in Arabic or Swahili. I, I don't know which might be more important in terms of where Africa is going at, at the present time. But, but certainly I, I do believe that um, English and French should be, and, you know, certainly right up front. I'm, I'm not sure, well, uh, you know, a Portuguese, uh, you know, more for Brazil than for the Portuguese in Africa because, uh, you know, their, their presence is, is not that uh, dominant um, anymore, but, but certainly Brazil is a huge uh, country. And and um, and you, know, you may be able to find somebody Joyce that could translate it into into Portuguese. So mm -hmm. we 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 could cover a lot with that. So so Ramin, I say that's one of the things we should talk about offline and um, develop a strategy or a plan, shall we say, to move that in, uh, uh, forward. And and, mm -hmm. and the other aspect of it, uh, Joyce, we, we're going to need researchers really. To deal with the 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 the, the video part of each other, the, the film part and the video part, because I think there's a, a, a considerable amount of stuff that's out there. I continue to be surprised by information that's out there about my dad. You know, you need researchers to be, to go out there and 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 dig it out, and and, and to evaluate it and to say, yeah, this is out there, but we don't endorse it. This is not a perspective that advances our work. Yes. Um, one of my students and I did an article about uh, Mansa Musa. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, there's so much material on Mansa Musa online, mm -hmm. but it is not helping us in terms of the perspective that's presented. And so we did an article critiquing the a, a selection of video materials about Mansa Musa, how Mansa Musa was represented in textbooks, mm -hmm. and we use Greg Carr's Africana Studies framework to evaluate that material in order to bring forward the notion that hey, we're not just looking for anything; mm -hmm. we're looking for the quality of learning that will advance our interests. And so that's the attitude that we need to take, not just because there's people of color in there. But what is being said? That was my experience on the Curriculum Commission. The new textbooks were colorful. As one of the teachers said, they got people of color jumping off the pages. But the concepts were flawed. The concepts were dangerous to us. And so we have to develop some sophistication in terms of evaluating what's so ubiquitous online, TikTok, all of this. We're flooded and even distracted with all of this 
beautiful pictures, but what is it telling us? What what ideas is it leaving with, with us? I think that's 100% right, Joyce, because, you know, now with, with social media, you know, everything is out there. But you, you look at it, so much of it is, is silly and, and um, misinformation and the interpretation is, is flawed. And, and, you know, you know that the people who are talking about it don't have any understanding of where it's coming from or what it really means. And, and just what you say, what does it mean to us in terms of our assimilating it or critiquing it? We can call it propaganda. I mean, we just have to to name it for what it is, and it's serving a function. And so, our leadership uh, responsibility is to use our knowledge critically, and you know, hold up that which does do the work that we want done, and offer a sound criticism of what is not good for us. Um, again, you know that 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 points to um, you know bringing scholars together at, at this level that, that we're, we're we're talking about. It's not just a matter of as, as we've been talking about producing a certain amount of material, but we need to bring our, our scholars out together uh, in, in a platform or on a platform, whatever you want to say, of working together. Which number one is extend our reach because we can get scholars not only from the, the US, but from the Caribbean as well as, as from Africa. So. And we learn from each other. I just wanna give you one example of how important this point is that you're making. Um, Dr. Gonzalez y Silva and I were in Egypt uh, with uh, Molefi Asante on tour. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting in a hotel and we noticed an advertisement for another tour to go to a, a temple. And it was the temple of Dandara. And so Dr. Isilva said, Dandara, that was Zumbi's wife's name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? So we made a couple of calls and she was right, but I never would have known that. But because we were together, she could bring her perspective, I could bring mine, and we left with new knowledge that we wouldn't have had just working in isolation. <laughs> Yeah, a great, a great point. And, and and you mentioned what you know of, of, about, you know, um, uh, African history being taught in London, um, or in England, I should say, you, you know, a, apart from, from, from Robin, and Robin knowing what, what was going on in, in Portland, uh, you, you know, so, you know, he knew some of our story here, we know some of his story uh, there. So we, we do need the pan-African perspective at all levels in terms of, you know, uh, scholarship as, as well, well as the communities that we're going to be dealing with and, 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 and therefore um, uh, bringing them uh, uh, together. Um, uh, Robin, any, any last words as we wind up on this segment? Because I, I think um, we, we, we're going to be talking a little more in terms of, of details as we go down the road of doing these things. Yeah, I think we need to do more uh, of these types of discussions on specifically how we take the ideas and concepts and then put them in systems and structures that as many people can access them. And then that's the way that we change the education of the next generation. So I thought today was really, really um, productive, really constructive. And we need to have more from theory into practice type of thing. Okay, well, you know, um, Joyce, um, uh, I hope you're gonna be with us for um, a little longer haul down the road. Um, um, sure. I, I know that you're, you're gonna be going back to sort of full-time duties, but um, I hope you'll have enough time for us one way or the other. We'll, we'll, we'll work around your schedules, et cetera, et cetera. May I close out by offering a couple of readings that I would recommend for our listeners? Wonderful. Uh, first of all, Dr. Hasimi Maiga's book, um, Balancing Written History with Oral Tradition, The Legacy of the Songhai People. Mm -hmm. What Robin was asking for in terms of a Pan-African history is in here, looking at uh, those empires, all the different groups that were a part of that history. And this is a book in English and in French. I'd also like to refer to uh, Wade Noble's new book, 
um, from Black Psychology to the Science of Being, SKH, which is um, educational for all of us. And Dr. Vera Nobles has a children's book. We don't want to leave off the children. And her book is Dzongbe, the Spirit Dog, Seeing My Way in the World. It's a wonderful um, opening to what I mentioned about perspective. And our beloved Dr. Sanford, From Enslavement to Belovedness, from the, For the Dignity of My People, that's her memoir. And my most recent book is We Be Loving Black Children, Learning to Be Literate About the Black Diaspora, about the African diaspora. And this is a little thin book written for parents and educators. And the authors are teachers describing how they do this Pan-African education that we're talking about. So we have a lot to draw on and to use in the activities that we're talking about. And I've enjoyed the conversation today. And thank you very much for inviting me. I think next time we're going to have, have that in the chat so that everybody can have a chance to write those things down, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, um, this has been wonderful. And I think it's the beginning of, of, of a good journey where we're going to be able to make an, an, an impact on, on educating ourselves about our history, about who we are, and how we go forward from here. So thanks, everybody. Thank you, Robin, for being here. Thank you, Joyce. Um, it's good to see you again and exchange ideas, etc. Look Good forward. to see you both. Ciao, Robin. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good.